children begging for just a piece of bread and though they are so hungry they'll gladly take a little love instead broken homes and heartaches shattered dreams and fears it's a lonely them so much that to Calvary he would go. Let them know, let them know that they too can go to live forevermore with Jesus. Let them know, let them know. searching everywhere, looking for the answer that will change their life of fear and despair. Jesus is the answer. He's the one who really cares. Oh, and if we'll only tell them a life of happiness and loves them so, loves them so much that to Calvary he would go. Let them know, let them know that they too can go to live forevermore with Jesus, to live forevermore with Jesus. And well, tonight again, we're glad to have with us Brother Van Horn, but uh, also his wife Paula was able to fly in today, and so we had the opportunity to get to talk with her a little bit, and I know Brother Van Horn's glad to, that she's safe and sound here now, and uh, boy, I tell you what, uh, just a great job yesterday. We certainly enjoyed the messages, and what a blessing they were, and again, a great day yesterday, but I just want to say that that's already gone. That's yesterday, and we need another day. We need something tonight, don't we? Well, I appreciate the music choir and uh, uh, the group as they kicked off the service and then the ladies singing just now. And, well, I tell you what, you guys did a pretty good job yourself. So uh, I think we're pretty much ready to go for Brother Van Horn. Why don't you come on and preach for us, brother? That's what we're really here for. We want to hear what God has to say. And this is his messenger, the man of God, Brother Mike Van Horn. God bless you. Praise the Lord. 
Well, it is a blessing to be back. Uh, I hear we're live streaming. Is that correct? Hi, Mom. Love you. <laughs> uh, I told my mom to, to look us up, and, uh, and Lord willing, they couldn't make it tonight, but uh, I told her to, to check on the Internet, and she could watch us. Her and my, my dad uh, watched the, the entire message tonight. Uh, I thank the Lord for His goodness. Wow, what a presentation. Now, what, what, what you didn't hear um, from them and uh, the beauty of, of the Robinos and what they've got going, the six years you've been there now, but uh, one of the key elements that this young couple has going for them is they've learned the language. It, when, you, when you talk to a foreigner in their language, it literally blows their mind. It's just like, oh, uh, they, first of all, they realize they can't talk behind your back anymore. <laughs> Amen right there. <laughs> and, uh, but second of all, it tells the people that you, that you care. It tells the people that you love them enough to become as closely uh, to what they are as they possibly can. So I, I appreciate that work there. It's incredible. I love Southeast Asia. Um, brother, I found them. Amen. Now I'm going to give you this copy. Now church, please, I have one more copy on my table. Look at it, but don't take it, okay? <laughs> uh, but uh, this is the booklet that we use in Cambodia. It's Do You Know God? It starts right from the beginning with, with uh, creation and so on. But it's in the Khmer language. Uh, we can get these, I think, somewhere around 13 cents a copy or something. I have them, I have them printed by the thousands, and, and uh, we pick them up. And any time we're traveling in between uh, villages, we'll stop. It's absolutely incredible. We'll stop just right when the public school systems are letting out. Kids will be coming out by the thousands or hundreds, and we're just passing these crazy things out as fast as we can. We went to, you've seen them on the, on the television before, maybe these sweatshops. They call them the sweat factories. Literally, I'm not kidding, pickup or trucks, like half-ton trucks, and people are stacked on there, at least 40 or 50. We've uh, stood in between them on, right in the middle of the road, and they're coming out. We're giving them all gospel tracts and they're honking at us wanting more and we're just giving them tracts and so on but I really believe literature um, literature is one of the key elements that's going to change our world um, the, uh, one of the directors of the American Tract Society says over 50% of the people reached around the world with the gospel message will be reached through printed literature Amen. so when you get those prayer letters and your missionaries asking for literature Bibles or gospel tracts or something, don't overlook that because that's a, that's a great need. Maybe make it a Sunday school lesson or something. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I'm not sure who, um, who your designer is at the carousel, but uh, whoever designed the men's bathroom, um, uh, the new men's bathroom really doesn't need a kitchen sink. <laughs> what? Uh, but anyhow, I thought, well, praise the Lord, this place has got everything but the kitchen sink, and, it's, and it has it too in there, so we're all set to go. Ladies, if you haven't been in the men's bathroom, which I hope you haven't, it's got the kitchen sink. <laughs> but uh, it's been rumored. Now, I don't know whether it's true, but it's been rumored from a good source that some of the staff has questioned, questioned my story about the man from Arby's. Now, I don't know if anybody's got enough guts to stand up and say it was me or not. Somebody said you'd get, have the guts, brother. <laughs> he let us down, didn't he? <laughs> but, but, Paula, is it true? Exactly. No evangelistically speaking at all. That fellow looked me square in the eyes and said, 
Well, the gray hair and wrinkles sure could have fooled me. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Isn't it good to be saved tonight? <laughs> Take your Bibles this evening. And if you forgot what I preached last night, that's okay, because I have two. Uh, it'll be a new message for you tonight. Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. Um, you find your place when you do, if you're able to stand, if you will. The reading of God's Word. It is good to have my wife back. She has literally been, she's been flying more this month in the last 30 days than I have. I'm, literally, she has. She's been on uh, four or so more flights than I have. She is really just extremely, extremely tired. Uh, but it's, it's good to have her back with me tonight. And uh, I hope that she'll be able to get some rest this evening. Luke's Gospel, chapter number 5, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that... As the people pressed upon him, of course that's Christ, to hear the word of God, um, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So they were on the shore. Uh, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, again, that's, that's Christ. When he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering uh, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Verse number 6. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. So, the Bible says in verse 8, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, uh, he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which had taken. Verse 10 says, And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all, and followed him. Father in heaven, thank you again for this, this great passage. Tonight as I, I try and, and pull some, uh, some truths out of the scriptures that you've given me in my study time, I pray, Lord, that you'd clear my mind and again, uh, Father, just speak through me. I'm thankful, Lord, for this church and, Lord, what it's meant uh, to your uh, mission program around the world. Thank you, Lord, for the great report this evening. I pray for these Nepalese people. And, Lord, how, how you can take a catastrophe uh, that took lives and, uh, and use it for your glory. Lord, it's always amazing. And I th pray that you'll continue to give this young couple all the health they need, all the finances and all the strength that they need to continue uh, their new life as um, transplanted Nebelese people. So, Lord, again, we want to thank you for your goodness and help this evening in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Again, as I said last night, um, I don't think Peter completely realized just who was in his boat when uh, he first invited him to just 
push out a little bit from the shore. Uh, Jesus saw those men at the shore, but it seems as if he just climbed in Peter's boat. Now, did you ever have somebody just get in your car without you looking? <laughs> I mean, really, if we, if we think about it, the men were out cleaning their nets, and the next thing you know, here comes, here comes this man. A whole crowd's following him, and they're all probably saying, heal me, heal me. Amen. Many of them, I'm sure there was a big ruckus. And next thing you know, Jesus just walks out and gets in the ship, gets in the boat and says, uh, hey, you mind pushing out just a little bit? Well, there's, there's uh, no doubt that uh, Peter knew he was a great teacher. And um, this is why he called him master uh, or teacher, really. But then the miracle came and, and Peter then saw Jesus for who he was. He He knew, according to his teaching and the great following, that he had power. But then when that miracle came, and he was able to see the miracles just of the the fish, and he recognized that that would truly be a miracle. He had been a fisherman uh, for a long time, and I highly doubt he'd ever thrown one net out to the right and pulled in enough fish to sink two boats in his entire life. So he knew it was a miracle, amen? So that's when he would say, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. But then Christ would tell Peter uh, at the end, uh, as they came back to the shore, uh, I got a new line of work for you. I want you to be fishers of men. Now I'm thankful that Peter latched hold of that. I really believe if we look into our Bible, we could almost call this scenario that just took place the very first missions revival program. Amen? That's where it started. Christ is just beginning his preaching career. He had just come out of the wilderness, had just uh, completed 40 days of fasting, started preaching uh, there in the uh, Galilee, would make his way to Capernaum, and now he uh, made that four-mile trek down to uh, Gennesaret where he, would find, uh, where he would find Peter and these fishermen waiting uh, and cleaning their nets there. So I believe as we look at this very first mission revival program, if we will, we can see the purpose of them. We see Jesus had a program in his mind, and the program was to get his word out to the people, as many as he possibly could. Now, of course, we know that Christ uh, could and uh, take his voice and broadcast it into every ear without a microphone, and I believe every person there could hear uh, quite clearly what Christ wanted him to hear. But I believe just to bring it into perspective, I believe he thought, well, let me just, well, not thinking. Jesus does what he wants to because he's God, amen. But I believe he wanted to just include Peter into this mission revival program because ultimately Peter would become the mission uh, leader, if you will, one of them. So he would put uh, Christ into the boat uh, and they would push out just a little bit and Christ would begin preaching to these dear people. Now, with Christ's great burden for his created beings to know the truth, I believe he knew he had to do something quick. Christ knew how many years he had to live on this earth. And he knew, according to the great plan that was masterminded in heaven, long ago, he knew he was going to be using men to propagate the gospel. It was going to be men. Jesus Christ would come down to this earth for three and a half years. He would invest his life in 12 disciples. And for the main, the main reason, I believe Christ would do those miracles. The disciples were all present at the time of the miracles. But I believe that Christ wanted to show those men and prove to those men exactly who he was. Isn't it something that we had one of them 
that said, I won't believe until I see the nail prints in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. And he witnessed these miracles. And Jesus would say, hey, Thomas, come here. Put your finger in this right here and thrust your hand into my side. And he would tell Thomas, he says, you've believed because you've seen. Blessed are those that will believe because they've heard and not seen. But Jesus would invest himself in these men. Christ knew that his program would be preaching. He wanted to tell those people there on the seashore the truth because he was the truth and he had it. But his program has always been preaching. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, let me clarify something here. That doesn't mean that it has to be a man of God standing behind a pulpit with his Bible open, uh, thundering from his King James Bible or his King James iPad or his King James cell phone. Amen. I got a King James P, a King James I, and a King James B. Amen. And they all work. But it doesn't take a man of God that's that's standing behind a pulpit. That preaching just simply means one that will proclaim to the community, proclaiming his words. Ladies, that just means I gave you the privilege to preach. (laughs) Hallelujah. But not from here. Amen. (laughs) To proclaim God's word to your neighbors and to your... And now you can go ahead and preach to your husbands. Amen. That's where Brother Brad gets all his outlines anyhow. (laughs) You should have got me while you could, brother. Amen. Uh, Amen. I praise the Lord. Jesus had offered Peter a chance of a lifetime. Did you ever have somebody offer you that, uh, something that just seemed too good to be true? <laughs> it usually is, isn't it? Most of the time, especially if it's in the secular world and they're offering you all these great big things. It seems like when you make the move from this one to this one, it's like, wait a minute. I, I, I really feel bad for our soldiers out in California. I don't know if you've read anything about that, but our federal government is actually making our soldiers pay back re-enlistment bonuses that they gave them. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. There are soldiers right now in, in California that are mortgaging their home, paying back twenty-five dollars and $30,000 worth of bonuses that the federal government gave them to re-enlist to fight to keep America free. Well, I got news for you. Jesus will never go back on something He promises. Amen. You can't trust anybody in any, anything, but the truth is that they're doing that, and, and it's sad. It's extremely sad. It grieves my heart. Our boys have gone over there. They've given their life. They fought, and now our federal government's saying, wait a minute. I don't understand it all. I really don't. I really, really don't. But he offered Peter a chance of a lifetime. He asked him to be part of one meeting that would change the culture of the world forever. Now, you know, you'll come to church, and you came to church tonight, and I'm glad you did. But why'd you come? Because your pastor asked you to? Because you're here every time the door's open, praise God? But did you come to hear from me tonight? I'm going to do my best, but um, if you didn't come to hear from God, you're missing the reasons for why these doors are open. Peter didn't have a clue why he invited that man into the boat, but he found out God had got into his boat. He had one preaching service and one offer. One. Just one. And I believe with all my heart that sometimes the Holy Ghost will ask you to do something in one service. 
and he'll push on your heart, and he'll pull on your heart, and he'll say, just surrender, surrender now. And I believe with all my heart there's men sitting in pews all across America that sat through that pulling and missed it. My dad was 57 years old. Hi, Pop. My dad was 57 years old when God called him to preach. Went to Bible college for two years, took his first church at 59, pastored Calvary Baptist Church in Crestline for nine years, tried to retire, did a little pulpit supply for a while. They called him to preach. He took it, preached there for another six or seven years, tried to retire again at the age 77. He took an assistant pastor's job, and he's still doing an associate pastor's job at Truth Baptist Church. At 70, am I going to get this right, honey? 78. 78. So that leaves you 57-year-old men in tough business tonight. Amen. Jesus used one preaching service. Now, if we're going to change the culture of the world, we can do it from this church right here. I was explaining to the pastor and his wife today about our prison prevention uh, ministry. You talk about a ministry that has changed the culture in many different counties. That's our prison prevention, Rock of Ages Ministries, prison prevention ministry. We have men that are going into the public schools during public school, classroom time, instructional time, and teaching and having kids come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Courtrooms where judges are sentencing kids to go to a 16-week Bible course at an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist church. And they're... Uh, mandating them as as if it's a sentence. And if they don't come to the church every a week, then they just get hauled away by the police and sent to prison. So they're going to come to church twice a, once a week. So what do we need? We need someone in the church that's going to stand up and say, you know what? I'll be the man. We need somebody in Ohio that would stand up and say, I'll go to the public schools in Ohio. I thank God somebody has, has, uh, is filling the shoes of Alan Combs today and, 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 and has answered the call and is, is now raising support here in Ohio and around the, the surrounding states so he can take the gospel to the prisons here in Ohio that Alan Combs did such a great job starting and, and doing. So we've got the prisons covered to an extent, he, of course, he's, he has to get his support and he, he needs your help. And, uh, but, but we could sure use someone that would say, you know what, I just believe God could use me in the public schools. I just believe God could use me. And I'm just going to, uh, because of one service, because Jesus offering this to me one time, I'll do it. What about one of those countries in the 1040 windows? 3.6 billion people that do not have a gospel message. What about uh, saying, you know what, I'll do what I can. I'll go where I can. I'll just believe that God can do it like Peter did and say, you know what, I don't know how. I don't know uh, how I can do it. I'm uneducated. I I really don't uh, know what I can do, but that's all God wants. He took an old fisherman. I was 37 years old when God called me to preach. Had a high school education and knew how to use these things right here. I knew how to work and I still know how to work. And if you're going to be a preacher and you don't know how to work any more than 25 or 30 hours a week, you're not going to make it. (laughs) If you don't know what it means to work through the night, you might as well forget it. 
Because there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, and there's a lot of agony, and there's a lot of hard work that goes on with the ministry. Peter thought fishing was rough. <laughs> Good night in the morning. Wait till he become a preacher, and he found out what was rough. One service, one service changed his life. Peter had the chance at that moment to make a choice. He could have told Jesus, just, just get another boat. I'm tired. I've been working all night long. I just want to go home, get myself something to eat. So just leave me alone. He could have very easily done that. He could have said, you know what? I'd like to take you out there, but I got a family to take care of. He could have said, I, I got a mother-in-law that's home. Uh, she's been in the house all laid up. She's not feeling good. The wife's uh, starting to come down with it. The kids are probably going to get what granny has. I, I just don't have time for this. Well, but he simply invited Christ, and I'm glad we have it recorded in our heavenly pages, amen. He simply invited Christ into his boat so that the first missions revival could continue. You see, the revival started at the meeting, but the program continued after the meeting. This is just the preaching. This is just to get you fired up. If you really get revived, if you really have a revival in your own heart this week, when we walk out that door and all the work is done, and you've got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday until church comes Sunday, and you're the same as you were, you've missed something, church. Because there's not a person sitting inside this room that cannot commit to do something more for missions than they're doing now. Whether you're praying more, whether you're giving more, or whether you're going more. One of the three. You can make commitments tonight to Christ that you're going to do one of those three to help this missions revival continue. Little did he know, little did he know that Jesus had already stopped by the house. <laughs> Whoa! And healed his mother-in-law. Just read your Bible. It's right in there. Uh, he'd already, in verse number 38... He'd been preaching over there in the synagogues, verse 38 of chapter number 4. And he arose and went out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. You know what? I, I, I often thought, I often thought that, that Peter was there when Jesus healed him, healed his mother-in-law. I just, I just took that. I just figured that's the way it was. But I got to read my Bible this afternoon and got to studying while Peter's out there saying, God, I'll just do what you want, even though I got a family back at the house. wonder how many people won't do something for God because they think God can't take care of their family. And here Jesus is already in the backdrop healing his mother-in-law. <laughs> I often wondered whether Peter ever got a little upset with Jesus for healing the mother-in-law. I don't, I don't Just kidding. You know, do, you do know the difference or the definition of mixed emotions. I know, honey, I'm going to hear about it. But mixed emotions is your mother-in-law driving off a cliff in a 57 Chevy. Amen. <laughs> oh, sorry, just kidding. Uh, but isn't it incredible? Are you writing that down there, sis? She's writing that one down. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. 
Isn't it incredible, though? Jesus was already taking care of the family problems while Peter was surrendering to the ministry. Man, I never saw that before until today. And I thought, wow, Lord, that's incredible. Jesus is going to take care of our families while we're out fishing for souls. It's hard on granny and grandpas. You know one of the major reasons uh, older missionaries come home? They come home for their grandbabies. And that's kind of, you know, it's my soul. Uh, you invest your life in, uh, in the people, and, and, and I'm not blaming them. I don't know anything. Everybody's individual, and they move as the Lord moves them. But my soul, it, and I'm just hoping to say that I would do this if I, I, I plan on dying a Rock of Ages missionary. Amen. Uh, but I'm not living on the foreign field. But if I would invest 30 years of my life into a people, I don't know that I'd come home so much. Uh, I could see my grandbabies. I, I'd want to see them. But you want to know something most in, in, incredible? Those grandbabies, by God's grace, will be in heaven and we'll have them forever. We've we got to start thinking on, on, on heavenly economies a little bit more than an earthly economy, all right? We're in a heavenly economy here. And it's a lot different. Well, we have Jesus. He just finished preaching in Capernaum, uh, a city of Galilee. The sick were healed. The devils were cast out. Jesus proved to his listeners who he was with his miracles. Amen? Uh, and this was vitally important that the followers of Christ had no doubt who he was. He had to prove who he was uh, while he was alive on this earth. Next, we see that he made the short walk from Gennesaret, about a four-mile walk down to the lake of Gennesaret. The people, some of them, no doubt, had followed him on that journey. But there were people pressing him to hear the word of God, his word. He is God, and he was preaching it, to hear from this great miracle worker. No doubt some of these uh, had heard from the followers exactly what Jesus had done back there in the city of Capernaum. But uh, what I just think it's so, so wonderful is the fact that Christ included men Christ included men in his plans to evangelize the world. He did. We're not just the evangelized, but now we're supposed to become the evangelizers. He wants us to do the job that he called Peter and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, to do after that boat ride. Well, in verse 42, the Bible says, And and it was day he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him, that he should not depart from them. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore I am sent. This is uh, chapter number 4, verses uh, 42 through 43. It was that verse that the Lord used to, to take me and to begin to work in my heart and say, You know what? Uh, I'm going to take you from the juvenile ministry, which I love dearly, and I'm going to put you in the international ministry. He allowed me to have part in developing a lot of our juvenile work. I was right there. I did the work. The Lord allowed me to have the work to start our, our courtroom ministry. I, I was able to be there in the fundamental, the beginnings of our prison prevention ministry. Of course, the jail ministry and the detention center ministry, the Lord allowed me to, to be a part of it as I came through. So we've really been uh, able to do a lot with the juvenile work, and I was looking forward to just continuing with it till Jesus came. But when I read that verse and he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, I said, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I remember telling him, not in so many words, but I basically told him, come on and get in my boat. 
Because when you're in my boat, I'll do anything you ask me to do. I'll do anything you ask me to do. I want to be a part of his program. Jesus does the calling with his word. And when you have a calling from his word, then guess what? That's a kind of pretty ironic. The phone goes off when I talked about a calling. <laughs> I got mine on vibrate, honey. She told me. And somebody already texted me. I bet that was Brother Cavanaugh. Did you try and call me? He said he was going to. Where is he? <laughs> Probably did. <laughs> um, but you know when you have Scripture confirming your calling, you can run the devil off when he starts the doubting. Man, I love it. When that old devil starts trying to get me to doubt what God's called me to do, I'll throw Scripture back in his face every time. It's incredible. World evangelism has always been on the mind of Christ. Paul said this about uh, the mind of Christ being under inspiration in the book of Philippians. Um, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. And then he would continue to exhort us, saying, let, there, uh, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's commanded us to have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is to evangelize the world. And right, Brother Edwards, I, I thank the Lord you're going to the Jews. I pray and ask God to give me a Jew. And praise the Lord, last year I was able to win a Jewish lady behind the counter at a hotel to Christ. I said, hallelujah. Amen. I love it. There's a place where the program began. There in chapter 5, we found him down by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, it's interesting, this lake. It's fun to study different things in your Bible. You'll find that the lake of Gennesaret is the largest body of fresh water in Israel. And this largest body of fresh water supplies not only Israel, but also uh, it goes down through uh, the great Jordan Valley. Actually, the Jordan River starts at the beginning of the lake and flows through it. That Lake Gennesaret is also known as the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Chinnereth in the Old Testament. Now, here's some pretty cool facts about this lake or this sea. It actually lies 700 feet below sea level, which makes it the, the absolute lowest place on the earth where fresh water exists. Isn't that something? And it flows out. Uh, down the Jordan River into a dead sea that has no outlets, that's full of minerals. Now, it happens to be 1,300 feet below sea level, so it's the very, very lowest point on the earth. But the lowest point of fresh water that, free, that feeds Jordan, feeds Israel, feeds that whole valley, the living water is sitting in the middle of the boat preaching the Word of God out of fresh water that supplies Israel. I thought that was pretty good because I got to thinking, how much lower can you get than a prisoner? And he's preaching at the lowest point. I believe he's just saying sometimes we're going to have to go to some low places to take the gospel. There's, we talked a little bit about it, didn't we? I'm going to just keep pricking that little prison that's right next door to you folks in Nebelese or in Nepal there. And who can tell? We may get hooked up and get in that prison and start seeing something happen for God. Jesus loves the prisoners. He loves them. He hears their sighing is what the Bible says. He he hears their sign. And now he has, uh, I, I see, not only did he have that program, uh, a place where that program began, but he also had a plea for partners in his program. 
program requires some help. He saw these fishermen on the shore. And basically, that just represents Christians in their normal life, on the shore, not doing much for Christ. And here he comes along and says, I've got an opportunity for you. And Peter says, I'll do it. He got off the shore, put Jesus into his boat, and he got busy. I'm glad that Christ included men into his program. Dr. Keene said this in his book, He is Worthy. The gospel has never been where a man did not put it. There will still be multi, or there still are multitudes who need it. He said, God knows where there are, where they are. He loves them. They're included in the cross under the blood made in his image, but they're lost without hope. And we've got to get the message to them. Now, Peter in, and the men, there were some men in his boat uh, that went out there with him. That's why we'll, we'll see here in a minute, and I'll show you that. Uh, Peter and the men in his boat were the first to receive the offer to participate in the first mission revival, if you will. And uh, once they uh, saw those, uh, they only cast out their net, and there's a whole new message in there. Uh, whether it's uh, a full obedience or partial obedience, God used a partial obedience to bring in a full harvest, didn't he, amen? I guess that was the miracle in and of itself. To fill two boats with one net's pretty incredible. Uh, but Peter didn't listen to the full extent. I wonder what would have happened if he <laughs> would have been a bigger miracle, wouldn't it? He probably would have filled up both ships and they never would have sunk with all those nets. Who could tell? I don't know. But here we have in, uh, uh, in Luke chapter 5 and verse 7, And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they filled both ships so that they began to sink. Now, you may end up in a field of service like Jeremiah. Brother Edwards, if you go to Israel, you'll be in a, in a field like Jeremiah. I've got a good friend that's, that's uh, been in and out of Israel trying to get a work started. He's, uh, he's just having a hard time getting back in. Uh, you may be in a field with, those, with the Jews, the people that God loves, that they just don't want anything to do with Jesus. I showed a Jew in Madagascar in the hotel the clear plan of salvation, showed him in the Bible, took him back to Isaiah 53. He says, yeah, I see it all, but I don't need it. I'm like, David, you're, you're, you're kidding me. You don't see it? Yeah, I see it, but I don't need it. Heart is a rock. But whether you're in a field where, where uh, you can have your entire ministry and not have one saved, or whether you're in a field where, where, brother, you can start churches and see these Nepalese people and, and great multitudes coming to hear, and, and once the gospel's preached, they, they call on Christ to, to know Him as their Savior. i got good news. Your ship's getting filled up with crowns. Because God didn't say that you have to have the soul in order to get the crown. He just said you got to go. You just got to get in the ship. You just got to get in the ship. You may not be involved in a Pentecostal field, but either way, the harvest of crowns are going to be great. Again, Dr. Keene, forgive me for quoting him so much, but I just happen to like to listen to men that's been there, done it, and knows. Men, do you good to hang around some older preachers, young men? glean from them. Get everything you can. I do. I love those old guys. I like reading after old uh, authors as well. Dr. Keene made this statement about a missions conference or as we're calling it a mission revival. Whenever you hear a sermon about missions now he can say it with a little more power than I can because he's just got that way. So picture him standing here tonight. How many know Charles Keene? Most of you? No? Wow. He's, you know Brother Charles Keene. 
from First Bible ba or First uh, Baptist Church down in Milford started the um, Bearing Precious Seed Ministry has literally distributed millions of Bibles around the world. He said, whenever you hear a sermon about a, about missions or attend a missions conference, you're taking part in a business meeting to decide the fate of the heathen. Wow. That's, that's, that's pretty big stuff. He says, you'll cast your vote with your prayers, your dollars, or perhaps your children, or even yourself. You need to vote the same way you would like for everyone else to vote if you were on the mission. Now there's a prize for the participation. We see Jesus tells Peter to go out in the deep. He did. Peter was tired of fishing all night and ready for some rest. But God uses men that say, nevertheless. 37 years old. Didn't know anything about preaching. I even argued with the Lord. I said, Lord, I'll be a missionary builder. That's what I thought you wanted me to do. Well, that's what I told him he wanted me to do. And after a year and a half of me trying to tell God what he wants me to do, God finally told me what he wanted me to do, and I just listened. I said, preach? I audibly told him, if you want me to preach, you'll have to do it through me. And I tell him that every time I stand behind the pulpit. And then to, to sit back, Pastor and I was talking last night. I, had a, I enjoyed that last night. It was just a great time of fellowship. Talking about all the things he's allowed us to do in the last 16, 17 years, it just blows my mind. Because I said, well, nevertheless, Lord, I'll, I'll, I'll just go on out and do whatever you want me to do. Surrendered in January or in February of 1999. Missionary came by, presented the work in our church. The Lord said, that's what I want you to do. I said, okay, I'll go to the Rock of Ages Ministries and preach to kids for the rest of my life. I went down to the home office there, uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Garris, I love old Brother Ron. Brother Ron looked me in the eye and said, well, how long have you been volunteering with us and going into the prisons? I said, Brother Ron, I've never been in a prison. Uh, I said, I've never stepped foot in prison. I've never been locked up. I've never volunteered. He laughed at me. <laughs> I still see him today. He says, well, Brother Van Horn, go on back home and volunteer for a while. And he said, if you like it, he said, if you like it, come on back and talk to us. And I just told the old man of God, I said, Brother Ron, I'll be more than happy to do exactly what you say, but it does not matter whether I like it. I said, God's called me to this ministry, and if you'll let me, I'm coming. I was so confident that God wanted me in the Rock of Ages Ministries in February of 1999. I started answering my phone saying, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going out of business. I'm going into the ministry. I did not take any contracts I worked the ones that I had, started volunteering, going into prisons a couple times a month, doing what little work I, I, I had lined up until May, May of 1999. I went to the, to the uh, training school and hit the ground running with about $50 support, a house payment, a wife, and two kids in Christian school. <laughs> I just said, nevertheless. I was way out in the deep, brother. I'm way out in the deep. Young men graduating from college today, sending in resumes, asking how much their expense account's going to be, what their housing's going to be. I'll say it like Brother Ron would say, puke and double puke. Amen. <laughs> Don't you low down hounds? That's what he'd say, isn't it? I love Brother Garris. I miss him so much. He just threw up his hands and said, nevertheless... 
Peter was willing to do what his Savior requested. His attitude was this, I'll do what you say when you say it and stay as long as you say. Peter reaped a boatload of earthly rewards that day, but he whoo, <laughs> but walked away from them before he could even count the increase. Didn't even know how much money he made with those fish. They didn't even matter to him anymore. He just turned around, walked away when Jesus said, come on, I got something else for you to do. Just walked away from it. All of a sudden, the world didn't matter to him. You find somebody who's going to do something great for God, the world doesn't matter anything to him anymore. They step into a brand new world. They step into a world where they understand that no matter what happens to them in life, no matter where they go, they're in the presence of God. As I preached on Sunday morning in the Sunday school class, they're in that special spot. God's, you're standing in awe of God to heaven. God says, I have a, a special place. I'll set apart, a, I'll set them apart for those that live godly. Uh, Psalm chapter 4. Uh, and, and it's a special place. It's a place of protection. It's a place of power. It's a place to watch him perform miracles. Amen. Amen. And he does it over and over and over again. Amen. And just about the time I start doubting him, he'll do it again. Amen. That, that Christian school in Cambodia isn't even making me nervous. It's only a quarter of a million dollars. There's probably somebody sitting in this room here tonight that's got enough to just write me a check. <laughs> Yeah, some of you are laughing. Some of you are saying, who told him about my bank account? <laughs> well, your kids are just going to fight over it. Why don't you build a Christian school or a church building with it? Amen? Uh, I believe in leaving something for your kids. I do. I do. I also believe in doing something that God tells you what to do. My soul, could you imagine? I, I'm excited about it. I really am. But something changed that day in Peter's life. Something changed. I mean, it was incredible. Did he have hard times? Oh, just following through the Bible. He got his foot hung up in his mouth so many times. Lord, let's build a couple altars. God had to say, be quiet. This is my son in him whom I am well pleased. Had to shut him up. Had to knock him down. Then he's cursing and fishing again. Denying Christ? You don't think it's going to be hard? You better believe it's going to be hard. Ed Words, I know some of you folks, and where's the other missionary? Around here somewhere. I don't see him. Oh, there he is, over there. It's going to be hard. Ma'am, it's, it's going to be hard. It was hard on Peter. My soul, he was crucified upside down. The ministry's not easy. It's not easy. It's tough. Many a nights you've probably laid in bed wanting to quit. If you're anything like me, I've wanted to quit before. But then the Lord reminds us, now wait a minute, I got you. This is going to be okay. Then you'll go win somebody to Jesus and that fire will start burning again. Next thing you know... Peter's standing up preaching one message and 3,000 people jump in his boat. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. Man, Jesus was real to Peter when he saw that miracle. Peter said, I want to get next to this miracle maker. I just want to get beside him. 
He was given the great opportunity to become one of the generals in Jesus Christ's enemy. He's still in the recruiting business, still needs generals, still needs foot soldiers, still needs masterminds in the background praying, still needs people funding. Amen? Still needs it. The reward was so big, Peter needed help for the harvest. So much to do. Brother Dennis Caps is doing a great job here in, in Ohio. The poor fella just they just had to bury their 33-year-old son. It's hard. His health isn't good. Um, brother, brother, uh, uh, brother Burns is going to need some volunteers to go into the prison with him. He likes retired guys going into the prison with him. Amen. Likes those guys and instead of laying around fishing. Why don't you get in a different boat and go fishing for souls? Well, choose to launch out into the deep, trusting God's for the results. We too can have a great soul harvest. There was a progression of the program. The place was at Lake Gennesaret. After the experience, Peter, James, and John, the whole crowd, they forsook all and followed Jesus. This adventure simply led these men to Pentecost and beyond. Without their efforts, we wouldn't have the New Testament of the King James Bible. Amen? We wouldn't have it. It's our example. It was their lives that we have to encourage many others to partner. Peter said, I need help. Your pastor stands up Sunday. We need help. Missionaries come in. We need help. Ultimately, Jesus is saying, I need your help. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they go except they're sent? Somebody's got to send them. Well, maybe you've been saved for some time and you're still standing on the shore. Jesus is coming by this week, tonight even maybe. This is the one and only chance, giving you a chance to, to join up into His army and to launch out into that great big sea of faith. Forget the excuses and tell him what Peter said. Nevertheless, Lord, I'm not much, but I'm all you got. Boy, it's that, those are the type of people Christ wants. Those are the type. No Christian is relieved from uh, the responsibility and privilege of world evangelism. You'll be glad and happy at the judgment seat of Christ that you were allowed to take part, Brother Keene said in his book. Now there's power behind the program as well. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. We got, he's got our backs. He's got our backs. Yeah, we, it's not saying anything that we, that we may not go through hard times. Yeah, we may even be killed for it. But glory to God, could you imagine stepping into heaven? When all the, the host of heaven is standing up, as you come through there and Jesus meets you at the gate, and he'll be right there for you. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, Not, this is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but my spirit, saith the Lord. Jesus saw, or Peter saw Jesus in a different light that day. That's what I'm trying to get you to do here this week is just to get to see Jesus differently. See Him for who He is. Amen. See Him for what He wants. This is His church. He died 
for the church. He died for sinners in John 3.16. He died for the church in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Creator of the universe. And Peter knew that he was in his boat. That's why he fell at his feet and worshipped him and said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. But you know what? Jesus didn't accept that invitation to separate himself from, from that old sinner like Peter. <laughs> Jesus saw an opportunity to, to take an old rough cob, an old rough piece of wood, and like that old carver down there in, in uh, oh, where is he, down there in uh, that Werther's Museum, he could take a hunk of wood and turn it into a, a working locomotive. <laughs> if you never Missionaries, if you've never been to the Werther's Museum, while you're here, if you can, it's not far from here. Take your children to the Werther's Wood Carving Museum. Absolutely incredible. A man with a third grade education could do. But instead, he just took Peter underneath his wing, underneath his wing discipled him, taught him all the truths of the scriptures, gave him his power and said, don't worry, I'll preach through you. And Peter left in the strength of the Holy Ghost of God for the rest of his life serving his Savior. Amen. Amen. No matter what condition you were in before you entered this building today, Jesus is inviting you to participate. Doesn't matter what kind of sin you're in, because all it takes is one minute at this altar confessing it, begging God for forgiveness, and moving forward. Doesn't matter whether you believe God can use you or not, just go ahead and trust Him. Launch out. Do something absolutely great for Him. If you're already in the faith boat, then go on out deeper. <laughs> Launch out on there just a little bit deeper. Uh, go ahead and double your faith promise and just see what God will do with it. Go ahead and double your mission giving. Uh, go ahead and, and, and ask God. Mo, you know, most Christians won't even ask Him how much to give. Why don't you just ask the Lord how much to give? Be absolutely amazed what he'd do. And then sit back and watch him work through you. Amen? Now, if you're lost in this room today, I got good news for you. The whole reason we're preaching is because we want people saved. And the way people get saved is through the good news, which is called the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had an old preacher. I believe it was Brother Green from down in, um, down yonder... Brother Green, anyhow, great preacher's got a great church down yonder there in southern Ohio somewhere. He said in a preacher's fellowship meeting, he said, I'm just getting started. He said, young preachers, if you do not present the gospel at least three times while you're preaching, you've missed the boat. Well, I don't know whether I've done it three times, but I'm going to make sure it's clear once. Jesus Christ, the image of the invisible God, robed himself with flesh and came to this earth through the virgin birth of Mary. A miracle. And then he would live for 33 and a half years, never sinning once, not one bad thought, nothing. Lived as a 100% man, 100% God. Lived in this world and not one time did he sin. And then he would go to a cruel cross paying the sin debt for you and for me, satisfying your penalty for your sins on the cross of Calvary so you don't have to pay for your own sins. And then... Good news, death couldn't hold him, amen. The grave couldn't keep him because he rose himself from the grave and he stayed on this earth for 40 years, 
prove to at least 512, at least 512 or more, who knows how many, because he was around that area for 40 days showing himself who he was so that those people, especially those 12 disciples, would proclamate the gospel around the world. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, repented of your sins, came to an old-fashioned altar, said, God, I'm sick of who I am. I can't do this on my own. Come into my life. Forgive me and help me to be the man or the lady you'd love me to be. At that point, my Bible says your sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. You've been forgiven. You've become a child of God. You've got a brand new start. <coughs> Maybe God just wants you to be a missionary. Parents, maybe God just wants you to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, if you want my kid to go to Africa, you can have him. If you want my grandchild to go to Africa, you can have him. I'd rather have him there than in the living room if it's the will of God. If you're not saved tonight, get it settled. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Nobody looking around tonight. Your pastor's coming. You know what the altar's for, church. You know it's here for you to do business. This may be your one opportunity when God spoke to your heart one time and has given you a chance to do something for God just one more time. Just one more time. And He 